0: Going to preach a little word to you today, and then we're going to have communion. Um, just by way of that, if you need gluten free uh, wafers, um, if you can find Dennis and Tammy over by the sound booth, there's some gluten free wafers and um, some juice over there as well if you need that. And uh, we also practice an open communion, which means that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, we welcome you to come and to be part of the table today. If you're not a follower of Christ, take that time to think about it. Um, there's no better place to be than in, in a, a right relationship with God and have peace with him and all God's people said. And uh, that's what that's about. Uh, it's not a scary thing. You won't regret it. Uh, I've never regretted coming to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Every day I celebrate it, and I hope you do as well. Uh, Let's read uh, Psalm 92, uh, 12 through 15, if you would, please. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no wickedness in him. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. As I get older, that verse means more and more to me. Uh, I don't want to head into my senior years thinking that my prime time of ministry is over. I want to think that there's even so much more ahead of me. I pray that, Father, for our senior saints, for those who are retired and heading uh, up in their years, to let them know, God, that uh, you haven't set them aside that they're still part of the body of Christ. They still are valued. In fact, I think they're valued more than anyone else. Um, As they've walked with you for many, many, many years, they've got stories to tell and wisdom to impart, and we give you thanks for them. Bless us, Father, as the body of Christ, as we think about being planted, as we think about a tree, as we think about the kingdom of God. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said with me, please. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The name of this tree is Hyperion. It is the tallest tree in the world, and it's found California redwoods. It's one of the sequoias. The tree stands at 379.7 feet. I'm glad I wasn't the guy that had to measure that. This is actually a real life picture, so you can see the comparison between the tree and the people and how huge uh, that tree is. My question for you this morning is what's the difference between the inset picture, if you can see that clearly, and the one behind it? You see, they're both redwood sequoias. What's the difference between the two? 379 feet, 378.6 feet. One word for me time. Time. That's the only difference. Everything in that little seedling that's popped up, every bit of DNA for a 379 foot tree is in that little seed. Isn't that amazing? Everything it needs, every, every growth measurement, the top of height, the, the width, everything is programmed into that little seed to tell it what it is and what it will be. Scientists say that the Hyperion is around seven to 800 years old, so roughly speaking it grows six inches per year. Like many trees of this type, it starts out small, but it has the ability to tower Over the rest of the trees in the forest. There are no giant redwood sequoias in the Middle East, by the way, but there are great cedars, which I have seen, and they are magnificent in Lebanon. That's why it is the national tree. There's also other trees, like the mustard tree, which we're not very familiar with, but Jesus uses this type of tree as an illustration to teach his people about the kingdom of God. Just like the parable of the sower and the parable of the good seed in the weeds, Jesus is going to use another garden analogy, uh, another parable of nature to teach us about who he is, about what his kingdom looks like, and more importantly, how we fit into that. So I want you to turn with me, please, to the primary text this morning of Matthew 13, Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. Matthew 13, 31, and 32. Matthew 13, 31, and 32. It says this, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like what, church? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in the field. And though it's what? It's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest garden plant Of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. So, we need to talk about Middle Eastern farming again so that we can understand what Jesus is saying. First of all, the mustard seed was probably a black mustard seed known to that region and planted by the local farmers. There are many unbelievers who use Jesus' statement to dispel that he was God because if he was, he would have known that the mustard seed is not the smallest seed. It is true that the mustard seed is not the smallest seed in the world. This little chart kind of tells you in comparison. So you see the mustard seed, you've got the wolfia, the salt grains, you've got poppy seeds. The smallest of all seeds are actually flower seeds, it's an orchid seed, all right, the orchid seed looks like that, looks like a bunch of dead gnats or dirt, one of the two, okay, to counter the unbeliever's argument, Jesus did not say it was the smallest seed on the earth, he said it was the smallest seed that a farmer in that area would plant, Why would he use an example of a seed no one planted or was familiar with? He wouldn't do that. He's using something that's right in front of them. That's what Jesus does all the time. He's not addressing a convention of botanists. He's addressing everyday people with familiar plants and herbs that they use for their their backyard gardens. There was also another accusation that the mustard plant in a garden could never turn into a bush, let alone A tree, that's called ignorance on their part. These are mustard seeds, uh, mustard plants that are growing in the midst of an olive uh, vineyard. uh, Actually, a, a grape vineyard. This is an olive or a mustard bush. Does that give you any indication how big that gets? Left unkempt, that's what that looks like. When you prune it and keep it, that's a mustard tree. Amazing, isn't it? There's a spiritual significance to this idea of the trees being placed where birds can perch and make their home. Jesus oftentimes connects to Old Testament things. And in the book of Daniel, God had revealed a dream to a pagan king, by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, and this is is found in Daniel chapter 4, 10 through 12. I want to read this and then skip to 20 and 22, um, because I think it communicates actually what Jesus is trying to, to talk to us about. Daniel 4, 10 to 12, these are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its Top, and its top touched the sky, and it was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. And under, the, under it, the beasts of the field found shelter and church for us today. And the birds of the air lived in its branches, and from every creature it was fed. Now, I want us to go to 20 uh, and down to 22. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching to the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that what? You're the tree, symbolic. You have become great and strong, and your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Jesus is using the same imagery of the birds perching in the tree. It's safe and secure, the beasts under the tree being provided for. It's a, it's a picture of a, a great king who starts out insignificant, but becomes Incredibly significant to the point where people are seeking refuge in that person, seeking security in that person. He's providing something that no one ever thought he would provide. We see that over and over, by the way, in the Gospels of people looking at Jesus and going back to his insignificant roots and saying, isn't this Jesus from Nazareth? Don't we know his mother and father? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? Who is this guy? He's a nobody from an out-of-the-way, nothing place called Nazareth, an insignificant person, but now he's risen to the point where he's becoming very, very significant and threatening, by the way, to the religious establishment. So Jesus is taking something from the Old Testament, talking about a great king, one of the greatest kings, pagan kings um, of that era, and moving that into an idea of himself, of this person who ends up being this great king with this amazing kingdom that brings all of these wonderful benefits from us or to us. So what can we learn from Matthew? Actually, the point of the parable is then this. The kingdom of God will seem small and insignificant, but it will visibly grow as uh, into an unexpected, everlasting, powerful, and imparting kingdom that is greater than any kingdom, a kingdom where people can feel safe, secure, And satisfied. And you have to put yourself in Jesus' time. The people in his place in in Jerusalem, in the 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 area, they did not feel that way. Why? Rome. They were heavily taxed, there were no security. Roman can do whatever they wanted to do. Uh, They it was a very, very tumultuous time to live, and people lived in fear, and they lived without security, and they didn't know if they were going to be satisfied with the next meal. All of those types of things, so you can see how the message of Jesus was very, very attractive. I often wonder about that when we when we think about sharing the gospel with other people. You know, we talked about that a little bit this morning about these individual shooters, and and it's hard to, to understand or reconcile those who go and do such atrocious things because I don't have a mind that thinks that way. But I, I, I think about what type of a gospel would have met the heart need of that person. Sometimes I think we, we try to share the gospel in a very old way and it doesn't fit anymore. It's not, it's not meeting the need of the person That's before you. Uh, We rush in with a a 1920s or a 1930s old revivalist. Uh, You're a sinner. Um, You know, don't drink and don't chew and don't go with girls who do. And all God's people say, please. Remember that old saying? Yeah. I still married Deb anyway, so. (laughs) Love you, babe. That's all right. I know I will. Uh, where, where, where do you want me to take you for lunch today? But I do wonder if, if we're trying to think about the gospel with a relevancy to who we're speaking to. Does that make sense, church? You know, what, what is it that they need? Because if Jesus is sufficient, if he's the tree... If I can light into his branches and feel safe and secure, if I can crawl up underneath the trunk and lay in the shade and, and know that he's going to feed me from the fruit, what, is that? what does that look like for somebody who doesn't know Christ and who desperately needs him? I think that's a great question to ask. I think it's a great way to pray. God, what does this person need instead of throwing out what we think they need, and they go away going, nah, I think I'll pass. I think I got something better than Jesus. Really, what's better than Jesus? I don't know what's better than Jesus. Well, maybe I'm not communicating that well enough. Maybe I need to figure out my own self. Is Jesus does he truly satisfy my life?" It, Is Jesus all I need? Or am I communicating something different as well? Wow, that's a really great place to start, especially as we take communion today. That's a good self examination statement, isn't it? Is Jesus, does he satisfy me? Or am I always turning to something else? Am I never finding my place with him? Those are things, those are good stirrings of the Spirit that we need to be wrestling with, things that we need to be grabbing a hold of. One of the things that I want you to remember is just even the church, is that remember that you're a believer and you're part of something great, you're part of something unstoppable and, and provisional, the kingdom of God. Not to pigeonhole, but I find, because I have daughters in this, era, this section, but millennials, those who are in their 30s, Joel, when does that? what's the age frame of that? I can never remember that. Yeah, my daughters are just outside of that, but, but they fall prey to a, more of a millennial thinking. And when you think of millennials, they love community. They want to be a part of something greater than themselves. They're looking for that. And that's what this passage reminds me of, is, is we have that message You can be a part of something greater than yourself, something eternal, something great, something unstoppable, something powerful. Is that something that you'd be interested in? Well, I'm I'm interested in that. Sign me up for that. So just speaking into the need, I think is important for us as we, we wrestle with those types of things. Church, you are the birds who now find refuge in your in the great tree, you're the beast who finds shade in the branches. You're the partaker of its fruit. You're, the, you're in a place of rest. You're in a place of peace. You're in a place where you're provided for. You're in the kingdom of God, and you have a great king. And that's what we're reminded to. And by the way, he's not so distant that he doesn't care for us. He's, he's a king that says on a, a Sunday like this, Would you like to have some supper with me? Would you like to come to my table and sit and just talk to me about your day and, and let me listen to you and provide for you? Oh, by the way, there's no cost. You can come, it's free. Just come to the table and I guarantee you, you won't leave hungry and all God's people said, please, you won't. That's the blessing of being part of the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God. Can we pray about that as we close? Father, we love you. Thanks for the day. And Lord, let us be reminded of the greatness of our King and the greatness of the kingdom of God that is before us as we celebrate communion, as we prepare our hearts, Lord. Um, is Jesus all we need? Lord, do we run? Do we, are we after other things? God, help us with that, we pray. Give us, give us minds that understand it in hearts that receive and respond to that, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, please, amen. Thank you so much. Um, Joel. real quick, I'm going to sing real quick. That's okay. You can make your way forward, but uh, I want us just to prepare ourselves a bit. Deb, can you just hold it a second? I'm going to just kind of talk about this just a bit. Um, this is one of these songs. Goodness, Deb, how long have I had this? Months. Um, I heard a young lady sing this. Uh, she's a songwriter from England, she's part of the Roman Catholic faith. When I heard this song, I just said, Oh my goodness, that's me. And I sing this often uh, as a confessional because it truly is. It's is, um, It's me confessing to you today, but I want it to be yours. So can you, can you not only hear the words, but can you confess them with me today as well? It's a short song, but I think it talks to the... Uh, the the Romans 6, 7, 8 part of us (laughs) where why is it, Lord, the things I want to do I don't seem to be able to do and the things that I don't want to do I seem to do. Oh, Lord, help me. So I want you to think about that if you would, please, and just um, prepare your hearts and uh, confess with me this morning if you would, please. I still don't understand why I betray you, Lord. Is it part of someone's plan for me to be this child who runs away even when I know it's best to stay? I need you, Lord, so I'm reaching out my hand For you to save me, Lord Please take me back again I'll try to stay this time I pray this time I won't stray this time Cause when I'm close to you I'm where I should be each day giving praise to you. I know there is no better place to live than in your grace, but I still leave you, Lord, and go walking my own way. I don't deserve you, Lord. So for these three things I pray, the time to know you, Lord. The strength to serve you, Lord, the will to stay here, Lord. Father, help us. That's a simple confession that we make together today. I love you, Lord, but why do I betray you? Why do I leave you? Why do I go chasing after other things, Lord? I need you, Lord. Take my hand. Bring me back in, Lord. That's my prayer. And help me, because I know that I can't do it myself. I know that I can't be the person that you want me to be unless you come in and make changes in my life and grab a hold of my heart. And push away all of those idols and only make Jesus, that which satisfies my life. He's inviting me to the table. I I feel ashamed and guilty, I feel broken, and my back is turned and and I hear the voice and I don't want to respond because I know that I need to look at him. And I know he's gonna see me and I know that he doesn't want me a broken person, but when I turn, something amazing happens. He looks at me with amazing love. He extends his hand to me and he smiles. And once again, he reminds me of Psalm 103 and others. And he says, you're forgiven. You're cleansed. I paid the price. I've bought you back. So come, come to the table. And let's talk about this. And let's see if we can move you a little farther towards heaven. And so, God, that's our prayer. So as we come, Father, let us be reminded that there's not a single person here that's not invited. Even if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, his hand's extended to you. He wants you to come. He wants you to be a part of his family. All you need to do is say yes. It's as simple as that. And so ready our hearts, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, please. Amen. Thank you, church. Pastor Joel, if you'll join me now, I appreciate it. Would you pray with me? Father, we just give you thanks for this table. Thank you for the simplicity of it. Thank you that you extend it down to the very wretched, the very poorest person, um, because your love knows no bounds, it knows no ethnicity, it knows no socioeconomic boundaries, it's it's extended for every single person that will extend their hand and say, yes, I want that. And so we come and say, thank you. Thank you, Father, for this bread. We ask, Lord, that you would sanctify it, that you would fill it, Father, with the, the spiritual provision and nourishment that we need. Uh, that as we take it, Father, we, we can sense that there's something different, that you're renewing our faith Because once again, we're being reminded of the author of it, Jesus Christ. So may your blessings be upon this. we pray in Jesus' name. And Father, we also take the cup, this fruit of the vine, and we ask, Lord, that you'll bless that as well, that you'll allow it to be the cleansing agent that it's been designed to be. Uh, We think of grape juice as that which stains, but as it represents Jesus, it does the exact opposite. It cleanses us. It makes us whole. And so bless it, Father, we pray as we take this. We thank you for it in Jesus' name as well. Amen. On the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. And um, I, I like these larger loaves like this, especially on this day, because Leviticus talks about two types of bread. When we celebrate the resurrection, uh, during the resurrection time, we want to take flat bread because that's what it represents. It represents the sinless body that was pierced for our sins. But Leviticus also talks about another loaf of bread, and it talks about a loaf that actually has yeast in it, that which rises. Why? Because it demonstrates that there are now two types of people that God has brought into the church And Ephesus, uh, uh, the Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians talks about that. That he's brought Jews and Gentiles together and made them one body, partaking of one loaf. And that's what this means. So the breaking of this loaf um, means that God in his greatness through Jesus Christ came to bring people together. Both Jew and Gentile through his brokenness he brings wholeness to us. He brings wholeness to our ethnic differences. I think one of the shooters killed people because they were um, immigrants for no other reason than they were different people. And that's not what God wants. We are all of the same race. We just have differences of culture. And this is what Jesus does. He brings things like that that are broken, Race, relations, ethnic relations, and he brings wholeness to them. If we could only get Jesus in the center, church, we would find wholeness. So I want you to think about your own brokenness today. I want you to think about what God needs to heal, whether it's your body, your thinking, your spirit, whatever that might be, Jesus can bring wholeness to it if you put him in the center, and that's what we celebrate. Jesus on that same night also took the the fruit of the vine, the cup, and he poured it, said, this is the new covenant that I'm making with you. As often as you take this, remember me. That covenant is an amazing covenant. It is a Sunday school class, a unilateral blood covenant, unconditional. It means you didn't do anything for it. It means that God did it all for you. And that's the blessing. He, all, all he says is to come and receive it. And that's the great part of the covenant blessing that God makes with us. So as you think about it, as you take your cup, remember that Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all, that old song. He Paid it all for you, and all he asks is that you receive it. What a great gift. Isn't that not true? Yeah, hallelujah for that. I'm going to invite our servants, our deacons to come at this time, and uh, we'll, we'll receive our, our Lord's body and his blood. Thank you, Joel. Thanks, Marie. Thank you, March. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Joel. That's thank you much. thank you brother Bob you're welcome thanks Joe the body of Christ broken for you let us remember that as we take it together shall we The blood of Christ spilled out for forgiveness of sins. Let's remember this as we take the blood of Christ together, shall we? Amen. Thank you, Bob. Mm-hmm. Can I have you stand with me, please, as we close? We'll put this back on. pray shall we father we love you thanks for Jesus our Lord and our Savior for the invitation to the table today thank you that we are part of something great and we had nothing to do with it we have this amazing invitation to be part of the kingdom of God the body of Christ and we are part of something that the gates of hell itself cannot stop And uh, we rejoice in that, and uh, we look forward to the day when our Savior will come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and bring righteousness to the earth. And uh, Father, until then, we watch, we wait, we pray, we work, and so help us with that, we ask. Thank you for your people today, Lord. They're an encouragement, and may we be an encouragement to one another today before we leave this place. Blessings on us, we ask. Father, bless us as your people with your peace, your presence, and with your provision in the person of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said with me, please, amen. If we can pray for you this morning, if we can bless you, come on up front. If not, grab some coffee and something to eat in Beatrice Hall, and encourage one another today.